This is Coda Radio, episode 221. It's a Friday edition for September 2nd, 2016. And welcome to Coder Radio, Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly talk show taking a pragmatic look at the art and business of software development and related technologies. This episode is brought to you by our two fine sponsors, DigitalOcean and Linux Academy. I'll tell you more about those great sponsors as this here show goes on. My name is Chris, and joining us every single week, and sometimes, as a matter of fact, more often than every single week, why, yes, folks, it's Mr. Dominic. Hello, Mike. Happy Labor Day. Hello. Soviet. Yes, hello, comrade, and... Uh, <laughs> Everybody, right? That's what I we're think, going for? I guess. I guess, uh, yeah, I think you might be onto something there. I hadn't really put a lot of thought into that. Yeah, it's a special Labor Day edition. It's Monday on a Friday. Who doesn't love that? Who doesn't love Monday on a Friday? <laughs> Everybody wants that. You know, you are, Mr. Dominic, you are a challenging co-host in so many ways. I mean, so many ways. But let's just start with the one that always gets me. Because I'm coming in today on a Friday to the studio, and I'm coming in a little earlier than I normally would, so traffic's heavier. And it's, it's, it's a bad day here in the Pacific North. Apparently, there's like some weather conditions on the East Coast, and it's causing a whole lot of rain uh-huh. over here. Uh-huh. And I'm hydroplaning the whole way in here, and I'm like, oh man, I can't wait to get into the studio and complain to Mike about how awful my weather is. And then it hit me that every single time I think I'm going to one-weather up you, you have something going on in your neck of the woods that is ten times worse than my weather. Actually, it's partly cloudy and sunny. Oh, are you sure? Because I was, I mean, you might want to look out the window. Because I was just reading in the news that everything's about to be ruined in your neck of the woods. Yeah, no, I see the soul for now. Never mind. (laughs) Oh, is so, it, so you don't have a hurricane? You don't have a hurricane about to uh, hit we your toes? Oh, we, no, no, we are about to get bitch slapped. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I hope everything's okay. Right, it's going to be Saturday. Uh, <laughs> Remember last time I said it was going to be okay? Sandy happened, so I'm going to say nothing. All right. Well, Mr. Dominic, yeah. we have a little confession now. We do have the weekly challenge that sometimes is not weekly. Is this week it feels like we're not ready to call a winner because not everybody's even had a chance to listen to that. La- but if you're ready, I'm, I mean, I can roll with it. You tell me. What's, what has the judge decided? Um, I actually was going to let it slide till next week because I thought, didn't think it was enough time. See, that's what I was thinking too, but I, wanted, I hadn't conferred with you. And I wanted to get, let the people know straight up because some of them are now listening on Monday. And it's yeah. to them, it's a whole week later. Yeah, I was just going to let it slide. Okay, don't shh. Hey, Mike. Don't bring it up. Don't say anything, okay? We'll just pretend like it's not a thing, okay? Okay, shh. I'm sorry. Don't say anything. I understand, too. You don't have a lot of time to worry about things like uh, coding challenges because you're too busy boxing up and sending back your new Galaxy Note 7. Oh, <laughs> I, I, never even, I never got it, actually, though I did yeah. get the SD card that, would, that came as the promotion. Uh, so, um, are you gonna, what are you going to do, Mike? I mean, you just last week mentioned that you bought the new Note 7. And yeah, this yeah. is going to be like your big phone. Like, this is a nice phone. It's like the flagship phone for you that would probably last quite a while. Now what? Now what? <laughs> I mean, the, the timing of this, it couldn't. I mean, I, you, it, it came yeah. out like almost two days after you, you announced on the show that you, you ordered one of these. I, I just want to point out that, like, I often go on Twitter rants about how 
battery technology is the only thing worth working on in mobile. And people are like, no, you're just a curmudgeon. Just plug it in, get a car charger. It's fine. Batteries aren't a big deal. Blah, blah, blah. Physics, lithium ion. And then, you know, Samsung ships you a little DIY bomb because the battery explodes. See, see what I'm getting at here? There's a, there's a real problem with battery technology. And I just don't, we've talked about this before, but why we need more effort into that, right? One, because lithium ion batteries are just awful environmentally. And two, they don't work. They deteriorate over time, right? They don't hold enough of a charge. Granted, our desire to make things thinner and thinner and thinner is, is not helping us in some of these respects. I really but, feel it. I really felt it over the summer where there was a couple of times where I was camping, so I, I couldn't plug my watch in right. or my phone in. And now it's like double, now it's double whammy because both my wearable and my phone only really get by for a day. Right. And my Nexus 5X does not last a day. <clears throat> oh, excuse me, a day. Really? So, Yikes. Yeah. That's super frustrating. It, it, this is an area, and, and the problem is this is a hard problem, right? You know, I mean, it's well reported that, um, what is it, next week we're going to get an Apple announcement or new phone or is it the week after? And the big thing is going to be a, a nicer camera. That's nice. Now, I will admit that I am not one of the big camera people that I know a lot you got, of. Uh, but come on, when you got a kid, you want to. Yeah, you, you know what? I, I care slightly more, but like the Nexus 5X is good enough. I, I just don't. I disagree. I don't, uh, having having okay, owned maybe. the 5X, I disagree. But that's just maybe I, me. But for me, yeah. the problem with the 5X is the camera's not fast enough to actually capture the moment. I haven't had a problem. Oh, that's nice. But, but again, I'm not a photography guy, right? Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. And if that's not a big priority too, then it really, you know, then uh, the, some of the backend features of the 5X, like the, the backend processing is is nice. Uh, I I yeah. am I think it's kind of just sort of it's sort of just sort of funny timing all of it. Uh, the the no, year. it's hilarious, right? I mean, the Verge had a write up where this was the flagship Android phone. Recode had it. I mean, they're the same company now, but you know, the Next Web, every all the big tech sites were writing about the Note Seven, and then when they actually get in consumers' hands, they explode. <laughs> no, I'm I'm sure it's only a literally. Very- Samsung says it's a very small percent. No, uh, that's uh, that small percent, I believe. They're saying is the entire volume sold, which might be out of all of their phones, but uh, a very small percent of all of them. Hmm. All of them. So are you going to send yours back? I never got it. Actually. I know, but they stopped the. Uh, oh, oh, I'm sorry. I thought yeah, I, I thought it was still in the mail. I, oh, okay. No, no, I don't know what. So I don't even know if I have an order or if they're just going to like do whatever they're going to do. Oh, oh man, um, that's a bummer. You going to consider the yeah, phone I mean, next week when it gets announced? Well, I mean, I don't know. Like, if I get the money back from Samsung, probably, right? Hmm. Because I, I just can't take Nexus 5X anymore. It's not enough battery life. Yeah. Um, yeah. Although, yeah, that, I got to be honest, I, I would probably be tempted just to get, like, a 6S or something. Because why spend the money if they're just going to upgrade the camera? But this is turning into curmudgeon radio, okay. not coder radio. Well, so yeah. let's move on. Uh, I just thought it was uh, <laughs> kind of funny because it's sometimes just roll of the dice with that kind of stuff. And to your point about battery life, I think it's a really good one. And I think it would be a game changer for consumers and for developers if the battery life in these things, you know, and, 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 I, and, yeah. as, a, and as, as a Linux user, I don't have a lot of room to talk here because, oh, my gosh, I've, I've, been, I've been thoroughly enjoying, and I'm not even being... Uh, sarcastic. I legitimately have been really enjoying uh, Linux on the 2013 MacBook Pro. I think it's maybe one of my favorite Linux computers now. I can't even believe it. 
But the one thing that is just astoundingly bad, and remember, it's a 2013 laptop, so it's not like it's got the best battery anymore. But under OS X, I can easily get four to six hours on the battery, easy, without making any major modifications, really, just not doing any super CPU-heavy stuff. And I think I think I get about an hour and 45 to two hours, best case, under Linux. So the battery life situation these days is just, it's, everything else is advanced except for the battery still feel like it's from the 90s or the 80s. Well, to be fair, a lot of Windows PCs have that problem too, right? I, it's all of, it's the fundamental technology. It's heavy. It's not enough power. It's all of it's just, yeah. it's garbage, Mike. It's garbage. But you know what's not garbage? It's our friends over at DigitalOcean.com. Use our special promo code to support the show and get a $10 credit. That's code or digital. One word, lowercase, over at DigitalOcean.com. Simple, easy cloud hosting. You can spin it up in less than 55 seconds. You have a Linux rig or, if you want, a free BSD rig. Lots of different distributions, entire application stacks. You don't have to be a systems expert to work with DigitalOcean. Or if you want, you can build from the ground up. In fact, they even have an HTML5 console that gives you really lots of nice flexibility and great power. You can watch it from post all the way up to boot. And they have data centers in New York, San Francisco, Singapore, Amsterdam, London, Toronto, Germany, India. But it's really that interface. It's just the best damn interface in the business. Nobody beats it, and they match it with a fantastic API. They've got great documentation, and something I don't mention a lot, they also have great tutorials. Really good stuff, like setting up GitLab, even securing it with Let's Encrypt, all of that. DigitalOcean.com, just use our promo code CODERDIGITAL, and a big thank you to DigitalOcean for sponsoring the Coder Radio program. Coder Digital, all one word, lowercase. We had some interesting feedback come into the show last week about um, our, speaking of curmudgeon radio, and just to round off uh, the uh, the phone stuff really quick as follow-up to our Android N discussion, we were, we were, we were kvetzing about the fact that the uh, Nexus 5 has been dropped and will not have uh, mm-hmm. Nougat support, and it looks like it's actually bigger than Nougat. It looks like it's uh, anything with the uh, Qualcomm Snapdragon 800 or 801 CPUs. Qualcomm is not releasing graphics drivers for either the 801 or 800 CPU, so the HTC One M8 and other devices based on said processors won't get official Android 7 support. Going deeper, it sounds like it's some sort of odd refusal to support Vulkan on behalf of Qualcomm in their system on, on, their, on their SOCs, which Vulkan is a new high-performance 3D graphics standard, and the Qualcomm says, quite simply, the SD800 and 801 are not compatible with Vulkan, therefore... It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. This is kind of weak. Well, to be honest, I think I think this is a pretty simple but good story. You know, especially for kind of us doing the whole tech media thing, where it's really easy to blame Samsung or HTC when they don't update their phones. But the reality is, one, they don't want to. But even if they wanted to, like it sounds like HTC might sort of want to. If any one of the third-party components that make up those phones, right? Because you know. Very little of the phone is made by the person who sells it to you. Um, cannot, for whatever reason, either driver incompatibility, because yes, all these things have drivers, uh, work with the new OS, then you're sunk, right? I mean, the, then one chip can bring down the whole phone. Now, in the case of a Qualcomm chip, that's like the heart and soul of the phone, right? I mean, yeah. It's still, it's still, as a consumer, I mean, I totally understand what you're saying from a technology standpoint and a, a business dynamic standpoint. 
from a consumer standpoint, it sure smells like bullshit to me because Qualcomm chips are in Apple devices. Qualcomm chips are in all kinds of other vendor devices, and yet somehow those vendors manage to strike out deals with hey, ben, Qualcomm. Are, I mean, are, are you are you blaming Qualcomm for this or Google? I guess I would actually probably I would probably place blame on Google for not striking the right deal to ensure this doesn't happen. Right. No, that's what I would say too because they're pushing Vulcan hard and they're not incentivizing people, which, let's be clear, I mean, give them money. I, I also <laughs> want to be clear that I think Vulcan is a big enough technology deal that it is worth uh, ending support on a 2013 phone. I right. mean, I think that's valid. Or 2014, It's also it probably worth a consumer just buying a new phone. Right. And, that, and I'm sure that's the calculus that Qualcomm and HTC have made. And Googs. But my, my Googs. point remains that uh, I don't mean to go all uh, Johnny Ives here, but it seems it seems obvious to me that there is a clear platform advantage and one that is preferable for the consumer with Apple's approach here. Because Apple, Apple single-handedly is controlling the entire hardware stack. They're the one – and when they, don't make, when they don't make the chip or they don't own the IP behind the chip, they obviously have some sort of agreements in place that allow them to support their iOS devices. I mean they're, going, they're putting iOS 10 on, on, on the 5 or whatever it is it, or 5S. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. It's like a, from 2012 and it's going to support yeah, iOS 10. The older devices really don't run well in newer versions of iOS. But as maybe, a developer, maybe. it solves so many problems for creating applications for these platforms. Like these Nexus devices, it, think yeah, about it, it Mike, it, for just – I don't know. I wouldn't downplay hardware differences. I would not downplay – you know, the, let's just take like the A6 versus the A8 chip. That's a big, big difference. Right? And the rumor is or, the iPhone 7 may have a 50 percent increase in performance right, based or, on Geekbench. Yeah. RAM, right. I mean, you might give me the same API, the same uh, software compatibility, but, you know, I, I, in fact, I just recently had to support something on an iPad 2. The, you know, the, I know, not, it's horrible. Yeah, I know. It, it was like, sure, right? It was within the, the band of supported versions of iOS, but there's all these little memory hacks because the damn thing kept running out of memory. Um, that, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I kind of have to be honest. I don't want, cases like this for the Android manufacturers to to support the older phones because there is a there is a big disadvantage in underpowered right so let's just take it a step back the reason it doesn't work is because of Vulcan right the new graphics rendering that's uh, what that's what we were led to believe from fairly reliable sources right and it, it seems it makes sense it seems like you know it it works so it, this is not going to affect you know this is really a thing for game developers, video content, things like that. Would you want, if you're a game developer, to have to support these older underpowered devices through some sort of shim or some sort of weird peppering over? No, I think, um, I mean, I think simply just, <laughs> honestly, Mike, it seems like it's a Play Store problem, not a not an OS level problem. It seems like you ship the OS on the five, but you just simply don't make the apps that require Vulkan available in the Play Store for installation. And it's not the first time they've ever done that. I guess I totally. So here's what I do like about what you're saying, because what you just made me realize was this is the benefit of Android in in the big picture sense is that. Google's strategy goes beyond any one particular piece of hardware, any one particular group of consumers, any one particular strategy. The Android platform as a whole gets moved forward regardless of any time there's a little bit of, a, of, a, of an issue like this. It, it, it's, it's not worth holding the entire platform back. 
because of these one phones, whereas perhaps Apple makes strategic decisions not to do certain things simply because their older hardware won't support it. We never know that, but it's possible. Oh, I, don't, I don't think that's true, right? I mean, you hear about how crappy the lowest end uh, supported iPhone always runs with each update. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. yeah. So my point is, is it seems like they could have fixed it in the Play Store and still made it available for older devices. And the reason why I would like this is it's, it's, it's multi-parted. One, the open source enthusiast in me would love to see older hardware supported. It's really gotten a lot of market penetration. And there's a lot of other alternative ROMs available for like Ubuntu Touch and Sailfish. And it'd be nice if people could also play with the latest version of Android. On this Dude, device, come on, like, I know that's not a big market. I'm just saying, but from a, from an overall platform standpoint, I think it's really important that for them to show that it isn't a risk to buy into the Android ecosystem. You're not going to potentially just get left behind because one of the chip vendors, one of perhaps a hundred chip vendors in that phone, decides not to support something in the next version. That is a house of cards for each device you buy and gives it gives me as a consumer who wants to buy. So when I buy phones, I might use them myself for six months to a year personally, but then I give them to people in the company or I give them to my children or or family members. Like I the phones continue to be used for for years, like five years after I've used the phone is not unexpected for any of these devices. And it feels like every time I buy a Nexus device and I buy a lot of them because I'm trying to test stock Android talking about it on this show like it feels like i'm rolling the dice i got here's another android device i now have now that's two nexus box two nexus phones that go in the box that i can't install updates on it's it's a bit of a bummer is i'd like to, i'd like to be able to say that when i buy the google device i'm getting something that i know has a long lifetime and good support cycle and is going to get security updates i would like to be able to say that can't really say it now if they drive the prices down if they bring these things down to 300 bucks, 250 bucks all the time, that's more palatable. But the rumors are, there's a rumor today that they may be killing the Nexus line completely and launching the next set of phones as Pixel phones. And they're going to up the price as Pixel devices for the mass market. All right, so you, you have a lot there to unpack, right? You have I like know. three or four things. It's because it's, it's personal. It gets personal. Right. So... I'm going to go right down the list here, uh, uh, Dan Lyon style. I'm going to look at you <laughs> like you're a hotspot middle manager, and I'm going for it. Are you ready? Yeah. Strap in, Trotsky. Get your – poor Trotsky, by the way. <laughs> Man can't get a job. Um, <laughs> although he did get a job. You can find him on LinkedIn. Now, you want to talk about somebody who's not going to be getting a job. Well, that's Anthony Weiner. But anyways, moving on. I heard he's actually starting a webcam. <laughs> he should. It's like the natural progression. Uh, no, okay. So, so first off, any scenario where the Play Store like filters out apps based on Vulcan seems like a nightmare. No, you just base it. Uh, you just base it on no, 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 no. They do it now, Mike. They do it now. Sorry, go ahead. They base it on screen size and they base it on uh, hardware capabilities as well as the OS version, right? And that, and I think that's something that you know users understand. Are you suggesting that Vulcan would then be a third category? Well, no, I think just the Nexus 5 hardware. Uh, I mean, you're in PC territory now, right? Now you're saying that your phone does not have enough, you know, gigajoules, right? Because this is what the user hears. There's well, they could still install OpenGL games. Okay, so now my game is going to be on OpenGL and Vulcan. No, no, I, I don't, because here's, here's the reality. This is the beauty of it. The Nexus 5 market isn't, isn't so big that you as a game developer really have to worry about it. It's just simply, it's, 
So I got an email. I guess here's what made me rethink this whole thing is I got an email from a guy who said my company has 500 Nexus 5s. This is like the... This is the phone yeah. we standardize, and we are so screwed by this because security is a huge deal and doesn't want me to say the company's name because, again, security is a huge deal, but they work in security. So they this is something that's like a – it's part of their brand image for them, and that's a big deal. And that made me go, God, this really does have – it's not just me who can't give my kids an Nexus 5. It actually is really impacting some companies out there because this was their fleet phone. Well, also the Army moved away from Android phones and is moving towards the iPhone, right? That was covered in Ars Technica a couple weeks back. Um, for this reason, right, the software um, reliability and security issues. But that 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 issue has existed the entire time, right? That is not new in Qualcomm not supporting Vulkan. I know. I th- yeah, you're right. Yeah, I guess I, I was just hoping the Nexus line would break that trend. I don't mean to beat this. You we mean, should probably move honest, on. Yeah, I mean, first of all, I know you love to beat it. Second of all, Hey-oh. the Vulkan, killing the Nexus line, which was your other complaint, I think they have to, to be honest with you, even though I love the Nexus phones. You know, other than this um, Molotov cocktail known as the Samsung Note 7, there's that, not a lot that was mean. That was that was good, though. That's good. I, I could have called it a Korean car bomb. That would have been too far. <laughs> you just did. <laughs> if your local FedEx guy disappears, you know what happened. Anyway, moving right along. You know, there's there's just not many impressive Android devices on the market. I mean, name three impressive Android tablets that are within the last, you know, year and a half. My favorites have been the Nexus uh, tablets, um, and the seven's been discontinued support ways. And then ten, and the Nexus ten. I don't even know if that's a year and a half. Yeah. You know, you know who I think, although I don't have any personal experience, has made one of the best Android tablets would be Nvidia, but I I don't uh, the gaming I don't. one, right? The Shield. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. You, you you see a problem though, right? Where there there's well. On one hand, Android is a huge percentage of the market, and there's a lot of uh, competition. It's like the Eatontown Little League team is playing the New York Yankees, i.e. everybody else against Samsung. And until Samsung decided to start you know, committing acts of terrorism by making their phones into weapons, I can't Ew. stop. I cannot stop. You're on fire? Oh. No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> this is an explosive topic. <laughs> oh. It, you know, it, it, maybe, and I got to be honest, this is like Christmas for Apple. They're releasing a phone in a week. I know. Samsung's it's... flagship. And, and and frankly, Google's flagship, right? Because really, you know, the whole Android ecosystem kind of rides on the coattails of Samsung. Turns out to, frankly, be a, a bomb. All right. And like, I, I don't mean to make this a pile on, but. Pile it on, baby. N has not been great. And I'm not alone. Uh, I was talking, I was, I was talking with my buddy Chase, you know, who also has the 6P with Android N. And uh, there are there are Bluetooth audio issues. There are problems with the alarm clock, which seems super basic. And the big one is there's ch- the changes, which I think long term are for the better. But the changes to the notifications are not supported by any of my apps. And so I'm getting the weirdest kinds of things like my screen pulses on and off constantly uh, to the low power mode to the off low power mode off because I have some old school Android notification that doesn't go away. But I it's it's when I'm in my truck, it connects to my nav, and so I, I don't really want to disable it. But at the same time, because it's persistent, it keeps causing my screen to wake up. The, nothing works right with the notifications. And no, Don't even get me, because I've been looking a lot about like, tablet computing and mobile computing. Don't even get me started on all the cute, cool little like split-screen features on the tablets in, in NuGet. Oh, but there's no tablet you would actually want to buy. Yeah, so I'm. I don't mean to pile on now because I feel like I feel like in in six months these complaints I have are going to be totally smoothed out. But right now, 
I feel I it's prime. I'm primed for tomorrow's or for tomorrow for next week's event. It's which it's going to be like in two days by the time this episode airs. Yeah, I got. I mean, I, I don't. It, one thing I don't like is how Samsung's handling uh, this whole Note Seven issue. You know, I did not get an email <laughs> like saying, "Hey, you know, your order will be X weeks late." You know, or would you like a refund? Or here's a refund. Is that Samsung's fault, or is that who you bought it through? I bought it from Samsung. Oh, directly, which has been a terrible buying experience. Um, <laughs> Jeez, I, dude, I didn't get an order confirmation, but I got charged, and then I did like a support thing, and they're like, "Oh yeah, your order." And then I got the FedEx uh, of the SD card. It's just ridiculous. Um, I, I got to be honest. If they were like, "Yo, do you want the refund?" I'd say, "You know what? Let me get back to you after the Apple event, and we'll see if it's just like worth it." So imagine for a moment. And this is just this is just for fun. Imagine for a moment that Google announces Pixel and Pixel XL, and it's two different Android devices. Terrible names. Yep. Awful. Yep. Truly bad. Maybe they have something with the screen that makes that. Maybe it makes sense. Maybe it connects it all in. Hopefully, it's not just them reusing the Pixel brand. They must have hired HubSpot. Keep but going. It, but a picture for a moment that Google takes all of the lessons of the last eight years, and they work out a deal. Where every carrier gives you the can get you the Pixel phone, and it's just it takes off like okay. crazy. So, every so basically the Pixel's the iPhone is what you're. Doing. It becomes the Android iPhone, and it and it really puts Samsung in its place, and and really just becomes. And I'm, I'm talking years, Mike here, but this becomes the, the premier Android device. This, in my estimation, solves so many problems for developers if this is the case. Assuming yeah. it gets updates for at least three, four years, assuming it's got, you know, a really clean, efficient Android experience that actually gets great battery life, that doesn't have like a three-minute boot up like the Samsung devices do. All of these little, it's USB-C. I mean, USB-C takes off everywhere, and every every phone yeah. could be charged with USB-C. I mean, think about the possibilities if Google pulls this off, and they're rich, they have a freaking advertising platform, they have content deals, they have business deals, they have telco deals. If anybody is in a, no. nobody's in a better position than Googs, though. Think about so, it, Mike. So, so I, you know, you need to be taken down a few pegs here. Let's, let's just start but, right it, but there's a, but this, this would make I think Android the mecca de, uh, development environment of mobile if this were to happen. Yes, and you know what, the Surface phone would be great too, as would the Ubuntu phone that becomes ubiquitous. Um, you know, convergence, right? So one. A next, the, one of the big selling points of the Nexi were that they were cheap. This device you're describing would not be cheap. Two, the Pixel's a terrible name. Three, would it really be in every character, carrier and Best Buy and every retailer? Do they really want to promote that? Oh, also, what does that do to Google's partnerships with, you know, carriers? And let's be honest, the only one that matters is Samsung. <sighs> you're Samsung right. Not just be like, all right, so Tizen. Yeah, you're right, and then and then the real nail in the coffin is uh, uh, the the whole support thing. I think no, I fe- the, the nail in the coffin is like Google can't try to be Apple in this case. You know who who benefits Apple because they're like, okay, we're already Apple. We're good at being Apple. <laughs> let's you know, let's just let them. Hey, try we can to do this. Obvious. Yeah. Okay, you're probably right. Damn it! Every time Google tries that, like, remember the Nexus Q, which I thought was awesome. And they canceled the day they were going to get them out. <laughs> right? It was supposed to be their high-end kind of product. Do you remember that? Yeah, I do. Yeah. yeah. So you don't, you're not buying this Pixel rumor thing at all, are you? Oh, it may be something that they want to do or that they did. I, I just don't think it's going to be a, a material 
Heyo difference. They say it's going to be they're going to drop the they're going to drop the Pixel or the uh, Nexus line. The uh, Pixel will be the five inch sale of fish device by HTC, I think, and the Pixel XL will be the five point five inch Marlin. I mean, the only traction they could get is if they with a Google Fi and they put it on payments like they do the Nexus Five uh, X now, right? So that you're not paying that six seven hundred dollars right up front. But even then, you still have to want to buy Google Fi, and you know have to know about it. That would be interesting. Oh, and also, are the carriers going to be in love with shipping a Google phone now that Google has a competing carrier? <laughs> well, it's the a- channel conflicts are like everywhere here, right? This is kind of I don't I, I don't know, man. Hasn't I, stopped him before though. I'm just gonna say that. All right, all right, fine. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. I, I guess I, I didn't intend for us to talk about it that much, other than we did get some feedback on it and some interesting points were made. So I guess it's worth covering, especially in it just seems like this time last year when Apple was about to release iOS nine and the iPhone six, the Android ecosystem was seeming like it was more cohesive at the moment. And it was clear what Google strategies were. This should have been this season should have been a big win for Android based on everything we're we're hearing about the iPhone. And really this manufacturing issue with the exploding Samsung's is I mean, this this is saving the iPhone 7. Not that the iPhone 7 is a bad device, but it was, you know, you've seen the rumors, right, Chris? It's going to be a boring device. Why don't we do the rumors here in a little bit? Let's, yeah, sure. let's let's do it. Because, you know, by the time this, okay, but first let's talk about some other stuff. Kind of, let's transition, because this is bringing it back to developers. Apple related, you wrote a great post over at Buccaneer.io uh, that Apple might pull your app. And this yeah. steams me up. And I, know, I think you like this. And to me, I, I gosh, Mike, I'm just... Oh, well, I have thoughts, but can you kind of summarize what's going on and what you think about it? Yes. So um, Apple is going to start reviewing apps that are currently live on the App Store. So you don't even have to submit an update for this to happen. And if it has not been properly maintained, they have some guidelines on what that means, but which is probably not worth going into here. One, not looking modern is, is one of them. Um, they will send you a notice, and if you don't respond, they're going to remove your app. There's not a lot of details on how quickly this will happen, but they said they are going to start reviewing them immediately. So this process is presumably happening, you know, this month, certainly. And from a business perspective, certainly Q4. So I guess I like it. Okay. All right. That that's actually seems pretty reasonable. Here's the one, the one thing that does sort of suck a little bit. There are some some really nice iOS apps that are ugly that were built for, for iOS four. I mean, or something just awful in terms of UI. But all I need them to do is ping something or scan a Wi-Fi network. Or do, there's just a couple of utility apps that I have that are still compatible. They're just using the same APIs that were there since iOS launched for developers. And I worry that some of these relics that might not be maintained but are still useful will be taken. And the thing is, if this was really my device, if I if this was truly something I owned, I should always be able to install tools like that. I, I mean, even on my desktops, I have stuff like that. It's still binary compatible, still does the job. It's just something really quick and simple. It's a nice tool to have. That's the only thing I worry about, really, with this kind of stuff, is those kinds of things might go away. And then I have no repercussion. Yeah, you know, though, I have to say, I talk to a lot of people who kind of see doing a mobile app as a kind of a one-night stand sort of situation where they're going to pay, you know, X amount of dollars, 
ship it and never worry about it. See, that I think does damage long term to a company. To the ecosystem. And and I I Well, to a company too. I mean, you you mean you don't want to have your your company's brand associated with some app that looks like it was designed for a platform 5 years ago or no longer connects to the services it's supposed to connect. I mean, that's embarrassing oh, for I, your company. I totally I totally agree, right? The Facebook SDK changes the, the really and this is something I, I really, really try to impress upon people. You know, these things are living pieces of software. They have to be maintained. Um, and I think we've just hit a point where Apple presumably is starting to feel like, hey, this is starting to devalue the App Store or, or at the very least just look bad. Right? And they Let's, want the App Store to not be a junk place. They don't want it to be a dumpster of old apps. I mean, they want it to be clean and they want search to be easier and all these things. And one of the ways you do that is getting rid of old stuff that isn't maintained. So I grok the overall concept and I think all of the app stores out there, even the smaller ones should probably yeah, do I this from wish, time to time. I, I kind of wish the Play Store would do this to be totally honest with you. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I don't like it when I download an app and it looks like it's, you know, um, 2.2 or whatever. You know, I, I going back to notifications, it's a double burn. I, I've been installing apps. I've installed two apps recently. One was a a cool little physics game, like a Mars Lander game. <clears throat> and the other was a watch face for my Android Wear. And both of them, both of them send me, started sending me daily notification spam about ads, you know, for ad, for their stuff or other apps. It's just, it's just such a mess sometimes. So the, there, you can also go too far. There is, a, there is like an yeah. over, there is like an over, like the companies overdo it. And that's definitely it. So they have to, I don't know yeah. what that line is. If the line is when there's major platform changes, we nudge our app. I, I don't know what it's supposed to be, but it's not abandoning it, not just ship it once and leave it. And it's not, let's send daily notifications to our user base because <laughs> both of those suck really bad. Well, yeah, I mean, it, you know, in terms of this whole Apple's going to remove your app thing, we're actually going to go ahead and, or I'm offering just like a free evaluation of your app as it is on the store to say, what would you need to do to come into compliance? Um, and we're defining compliance as, you know, API compatibility, removing certain Smart. deprecations, and um, the biggest one, human interface guidelines, right? Apple's design guidelines, because they're, they're tremendous ponies about that. And that, you know, that is a super reasonable approach to just getting a little more bang out of your investment that you've already made. You've already got the app built. Why not just nudge it? Get it working right. Well, and the truth is, for most people, like because obviously before I made this offer, I took a quick look at the store. It, it's not a tremendous amount of money involved or a tremendous amount of work. But not doing it could actually, you know, you're throwing away your investment if you let Apple pull your app down. And exactly. That's kind of why, exactly. Yeah, why I think you should do it. Smart. All right. Well, uh, I had a quick thing <clears throat> before we get into the rest of the show. We had some fun feedback, too. And this is this is going to be short. This was one of those headlines that did actually manage to get my attention. In one minute, Slack founder will make you rethink how to sell innovation. This is from him. He says, we are unlikely to be able to sell a group chat system, quote unquote, very well. There just aren't enough people shopping for a group chat system. Because, you know, when you talk about Slack, to people who don't know about it, like it sounds like an IRC. He says, that's why what we're selling is organizational transformation. What we are selling is not the software product. The set of all of the features in their specific implementation, because that there's not very many buyers for for this type of software product. However, if you're selling a reduction in the cost of communication or zero effort knowledge management or making better decisions faster or all your two team communications instantly searchable, available wherever you go, 
or even 75% less email or some other valuable result of adopting Slack, then we find many more buyers. I think that is an interesting way to think about your software. Because everybody, when they look at it from like a, when you talk about Slack to like Alan Jude, he'll go, well, I don't, I don't, no, I'll just use IRC, thank you. I don't see the point. Um, and in some ways, for him, maybe IRC is efficient enough. But then for some of us, we find, uh, like I was just looking at our Slack stats for the Linux Unplugged show, because of its sort of unstructured nature and it's also got multiple hosts and producers involved and mumble members, a one chat room where we can embed YouTube and Twitter links and Google Docs and and it text snippets uh, snippets with links and all of this kind of information that you might want in preparation of a show that might go for two hours like Linux Unplugged does sometimes. Something like Slack is extremely useful and it does offer us way it, it, it is it is the most it is definitely it has definitely fundamentally changed the way we prepare that show every single week. And it's pretty fascinating because we've had IRC this entire time and it never resulted in this level of communication. And when you sell that, that's what really clicks with business owners and people who are in decision-making positions. So I just thought it was, and though there's more, we have the whole article linked in the show notes. I just thought that was interesting for people out there that are thinking about how to sell their value. You know, it, it's definitely good to because you know people don't understand why they might want a digital Docker container, <gasps> but, but they do understand. Would you like to collect more customer emails that go to your conference, and you'd like to sell them things? Yeah, yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah they do understand seventy five percent less email, uh, and that is so. That's and even though the the implementation is a chat room. The result, selling the result, uh, that to me, I find I find to be interesting. Though it hasn't been true <laughs> in this particular case, right? As all things, correct? Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's made. Uh, you notice I mentioned one of our shows. We only we have more than one show. <laughs> it's worked great for one show, uh, but yeah, it's it's different environments, different teams. It doesn't always make. It's not always the best tool to go with, or the best method or approach. Sometimes you know you try to you try to fit, and it's just you don't need it. So, anyways, you know what you do need: knowledge, knowledge, and power. Because you know what, knowledge is power. LinuxAcademy.com/coders. That's where you go to support the show and learn more. Many of the topics we talk about are available as educational courseware over at Linux Academy. They have learning paths that get you right down the channel to learn more than really just something you might pick up on your own searching around. It's kind of like this all-inclusive offering where they have comprehensive study guides, virtual servers that spin up when you need them, instructor mentoring, a community packed full of not only your peers, but Jupiter Broadcasting members, which is pretty cool. And they're constantly updating and keeping their content relevant, introducing new courseware, like they just got a great new line of Azure courseware. Introducing all of that as you need it, but not just letting the old stuff sit there, keeping that current fresh and up to date as well. Linux Academy has been expanding their staff behind the scenes to make all of this possible. It's a pretty competitive platform, but the best part is the things they cover here aren't just a feature of Linux Academy. It's what they do. There's other online platforms, but all of these things are just part of their overall offering. They don't really get it. They don't focus in and really expand. Plus, Linux Academy understands not all of us have a lot of free time. 
That's why they have availability planners that automatically will generate courseware that matches your schedule. Nuggets that allow you to deep dive. Yes, they're called nuggets that allow you to deep dive into single topics and learn more. And they have iOS and Android apps. So if you're on the bus or on the go or got a little time to kill, Linux Academy is with you. Check it out at linuxacademy.com slash coders. That's where you go to support this show and learn more about the Linux Academy platform. And a big thank you to Linux Academy for sponsoring the Coder Radio program. linuxacademy.com slash coders. Well, Mr. Dominic, I have sensed a thread this entire episode. We are, uh, we, are, we are both preoccupied with mobile this week for multiple reasons. And sometimes that, you know, you know what? To be fair, it's, it is reality. It's the news. I, I don't think sometimes we get a little hard on ourselves and we pretend like it's not a huge part of the development environment. And we pretend like it doesn't affect everybody who listens because. You mean, you mean when people write us angry emails? Yeah, you're talking about? yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I, I suggest that you and I, we acknowledge that elf into the room and we move forward because by the time people are listening to this, it's going to be moments away from Internet moments. Phone 7 Day. It's a September 7th event with a out-of-focus Boca <laughs> invite of the Apple logo uh, has been has sent out. There are lots of rumors, and I'm curious to know what you think is going to launch on September 7th. Not necessarily ship, but be announced for availability at some point. Uh, well, obviously the iPhone 7, right? Yeah. Um, I don't know or think we're going to get any kind of iPads, actually. Uh, I'm hearing a lot about Apple Watches. I honestly don't care. Though I did hear some disturbing news in the last few days that there won't be a MacBook Pro. Because that seems... Boy, that seems egregious. That if that's true, I, it's it's almost so bad that I don't really believe it. But if that's true, that's kind of insane. Like even if you don't have it, announce it, right? Show some pictures, do something to. It's just been way too long, and that's and I, a workhorse of so many industries. I don't understand because you know I'm uh, I, I know I know this totally different industries, totally different workloads, so it's not a fair comparison. But I watch System76, who's just refreshed their two top-of-the-line laptops, and they now have GTX 10 series graphics cards in them. And, and they just, you know, I think they go up to 64 gigabytes of RAM. And, and all, oh, of yeah. these, all of these things that I think, wow, for high-end workloads, Apple is being lapped now. I mean, the hardware, they're just getting lapped. So if they... You know, in, in five or ten years, someone's going to write a book about this period about what the hell happened to the Macs, right? Like... At this point, it, it's either in, an insane amount of neglect. I was listening to um, uh, Walt Mossberg earlier today. We pre-recorded an episode from a few days back ago, and you know he was uh, saying that the Mac business itself would actually be in the Fortune 500. Yes, it is. Yeah, forget about the iPhone. Like, yeah, if he just broke it out as its own company, I, yeah, I right? know. If, I know. If it was just like Mac Incorporated. And yet they cannot manage to update these devices in three years running, which which is incredible. I mean, think about the Mac Mini, which you know a lot of small shops, this one included, it is the standard like you know here's your gun and badge, right? Everybody gets Mac Mini <laughs> or the MacBook Pro, right? Those are yeah. kind of the two workhorses. Yeah. You know the, the the MacBook, the crazy gold silver boy George one, 
it's just not practical in any meaningful sense, right? You you can't plug in a test device and charge it. Oh, and USB-C. Last year, this time, Apple was making $6 billion from their Mac business. This year, they're making $5.2 billion this time for this quarter because simply nobody wants old hardware like this. I, sure, but hire somebody. <laughs> Is there not like a VP of Mac who could just be like, come, all right, guys, we need to like ship something. And to their credit, they shipped the 5K iMac, but again, that's a huge investment, the 5K iMac. A lot of people don't want a 27-inch iMac. I used to have a 27-inch iMac, and the reason I don't buy them anymore is because if something's okay. wrong with it, it's can a 27-inch thing. Go can ahead. we challenge the premise for a moment? Sure. I uh, I have a 2000, I know I just mentioned this a minute ago, I have a 2013 MacBook Pro. It's got an i7 in it, It's uh, it's got a 15-inch Retina display. It's got a PCIe terabyte SSD in it. I mean, the thing, honestly, Mike, um, the only thing I wish it had was a GTX 9 or 10 series graphics card. Otherwise, I, I it is it is a hell of a machine. And the only time I need to have a faster one is when I want to start doing on-location broadcasting and doing multiple audio and video feeds. And then it starts to feel a little behind. But I, I'm telling, I guess what I'm trying to get at here is, is it's legitimately do we really need these computers to be much faster unless you're gaming for Mac workloads because gaming isn't a main thing for Macs aren't they legitimately good enough for the most part so I'm going to answer your question with the question if you are stocking up or equipping a small team do you want to spend you know two to three thousand dollars per unit or would you rather, because things are uncertain, spend a thousand to sixteen hundred today, and if you have to buy another one, buy another one in a year and a half, two years? Yeah, absolutely. And then you, and then you pass that laptop yes. or, or desktop yes. down to like a salesperson or a QA person, right? Absolutely. Um, I got to be honest. Even for my personal machines, I don't ever buy the top of the line because it's too expensive. My Raytel, I, I did like two upgrades. <laughs> I mean, it's a desktop tower, so it was only like I don't know seven hundred bucks. I don't, I don't remember what I paid for it, but. I really don't, especially with, with the RAM glued in and the fact that you can't update these machines at all in terms of hardware upgrades, I really don't think it's reasonable to say to people, well, you could have bought a $3,200 one and then you would have been fine for three years. That seems super crappy to me. You're right. The implied, uh, yeah. Yeah, because if you buy at a lower end price, it really does feel old because they're barely specced well enough as it is. Well, and, and wait, wait, lower end. $1600 is low end for for a computer. Mhm. Well, I mean, that's yeah. That's kind of what my issue would be there, right? You, you inside of all of that, you have implied that a that a $1600 uh, laptop budget is not a reasonable budget, which I find really troubling given the rest of the market outside of Apple. That's a really good point. That's a really you are absolutely right. And it's only because I'm talking in the terms of Apple prices if you start looking outside that. Yeah, this is a weird spot they're in. So anyways, possibly no MacBook Pro update. I'm going to go in and say they're going to mention the Apple Watch. We're going to see iOS 10 announced. We're probably going to see macOS Sierra. Wait, wait, is it 10 or X? macOS Sierra and no, iOS no, no. 10. Not OS so, 10 so, Sierra, not OS 10 Sierra, but it's Mac OS Sierra, and I, it's not iOS X, it's iOS 10. Well, they could call it Weapon X. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I wish. Is there I anything? I'm the only one who thinks that's a good idea. Do you have do you have iOS 10 running on anything right now? 
No, I don't even have, I don't even have an iPhone other than a test device. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm. my uh, my wife put hers in the toilet. Listen to so us. So she got mine. Listen to us. Now there is yeah. also a spec sheet that leaked on the thirty first that yes, shows a two hundred and fifty six gigabyte capacity iPhone Plus. Ooh, that might be for Christmas. Also, AirPod uh, earbuds may be in, included in the box by some uh, package leaks that have come out of the actual phone. Oh, that's right. No, uh, no uh, headphone jack. Yeah. yeah. What do you think of that? That's that might be a deal breaker. I, I feel like it's not. Not if they inc- if they include AirPods in the box, it's not a deal breaker. Are you going to lay that Bluetooth headphone crap on me? No, no, but just, uh, first of all, look how many people you see when you just walk around with the white earbuds already. So people just be using what's in the box 80% of the time that aren't, people. not people listening to this show probably, but I mean, some of them, I mean, they're not bad headphones, so I just I'm think. I'm on them right now, but. Here's what I think. They're going to be Wi-Fi headphones or something like that. They're not going to be Bluetooth. Okay, so they're not going to have like the the, see, I don't know what kind of bandwidth they could get. Well, couldn't they do like an NFC thing and get a little more throughput there? No, 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 no. Because no. NFC is so, no, the throughput's pretty small. It's pretty low. But not only that, but, than Bluetooth. yeah, and its the range is so uh, limited. But you could do NFC for pairing or something. So like, do the key exchange and like link them up. You could totally use uh, NFC for that. I just, you know, I have uh, two Bluetooth speakers in my house, and we have one at the office. I I can kind of tell. I mean, yeah, you can. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I have I, a, I have some good experience, and I have been having a lot of Bluetooth audio issues with Android N. Uh, but that aside, the, I've had some good Bluetooth experiences, and I've had some really bad Bluetooth audio experiences. So there is something to do with the hardware processing speaker quality. But the well, issue is, is Bluetooth standards too. Right? I think. Well, and I, I think Bluetooth is somewhere between. I could be totally wrong here, but I think the the, the transfer rate somewhere between two hundred kilobits and two megabits. Depending, mm. and I, I and it could be even less. It's it's not enough. Whatever it is, is not enough. I would bet, but I I feel like with Apple Music and iTunes, they've demonstrated, and the way they encode their files, their video and their audio files, Apple has I think demonstrably demonstrated that they do care about encoding quality and sound. They, they do. Like the iTunes yeah. videos, it's. As somebody who encodes video as part of his business, I got to tell you the, the 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 kind of quality they get out of the iTunes videos w- for the file size because I I've I've ripped those videos to look at see how they're doing it I've I've totally you know broken it apart and looked how is Apple encoding this and it's it's got it's really freaking impressive what they managed to do and the same with the audio that's why they pioneered AAC I think they really do have a good sense of audio quality and so I would be shocked if they used Bluetooth not only that not only that. But there's then they have Battery like dream. they could have like beats, you know, they could have beats, uh, headphones that they announce that, that support whatever new wireless audio thing that they're doing. Like there's all this accessory reason to also have like this new standard that is Apple certified and they they're the so only you, ones that have the accessories at launch that support that, that, that support I, it. You know what I mean? Like that's that's perfect for yeah. them. So, so, so what you're you're imagining here is like some sort of ad hoc over Wi-Fi, but device to device network. I don't so know exactly iPhone. what they'll use, but I just can't imagine they're going to use any existing Bluetooth audio standard because it's not I, good I, enough. I agree. I feel like for a company who who claims that music is in their DNA, just handing right. me Bluetooth headphones is like I get it. If if I'm streaming Google Music on my iPhone, <laughs> 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 nice. Um, sure. You know, once you're streaming stuff, you get what you deserve. 
but really because i because i download the highest quality version of everything right. i when i'm on when i'm on when i'm on my phone i'm either using spotify where i have it all stored locally and i get it like the premium uh i i bought premium just so i could get like the extreme quality yeah yeah that's why yeah so i listen to that or and i can i can tell the difference between extreme qual i can tell i can i can tell a difference between all of the encoding qualities uh, oh, because, I can. and and yeah. it's it's why I can why I don't have Sirius XM because the encoding is Crap. so bad it's yeah. yeah and so for me the call the the would I either do local like flack level or I do like extreme quality in Spotify and I don't like anything in between there's if they go bluetooth for headphones only it is it is a it is the end for high fidelity audio on the iPhone platform Okay, but how many people actually care? So, I mean, this yeah, is well, one that's of the problem. Things. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and to be honest, you know, I'm bitching about audio quality and I have a vinyl record player right behind me. <laughs> oh, you're that guy? No. I am that guy. I am that guy. <laughs> I also do, in fact, because I know we'll get the email, I do have Katy Perry on vinyl. Because why not? This is. This is only only this would be revealed on a Friday. Did you, on a Friday, right? Did you hear that Jessica Alba is going to join? We haven't even talked about this, but Apple has a Planet of the Apps TV show. I really don't want to talk about. Okay, this. we won't. It's just Jessica yeah. Alba. Jessica Alba. I love Jessica Alba. Yeah, that's, um, that's Angel, Great show. Canceled yeah, too early. Gary V's on there. <laughs> I don't even know what's going on anymore, dude. This. Let's make a show about people who can't make money in our marketplace. You know, I don't like what's happening to development here. I don't like what I don't I don't like so do you remember like I don't know it was like two weeks ago or something I, I was kind of I was kind of grousing about the fact that society doesn't elevate developers and system administrators and people who create things on computers except for maybe like people at Pixar society doesn't elevate these types of work classes to the same position where they elevate even plumbers and electricians and other trade skill jobs that require a specialist who comes in. And I don't know if it's because they have licensing or if it's, if it's because these industries have been around for decades, but something about it, it leads to people not quite valuing computer work as much. And I think a lot, a large part of it's because a lot of it's conceptual. A lot of it, you cannot simply, if you're not in the business, you not, you not understand all of the work that goes into creating an application or a website. And so this kind of thing, this this celebrification of development, it does not help this problem. This, in the big picture, I believe, drives software value down. And maybe I'm an old man who's yelling at Jessica Alba to get off my lawn, which I would, I, I would never. I, I highly ever doubt that. Tell Jessica that Alba exactly. So I, I don't think that's the case here. But it is possible. It is possible that I am somehow yelling at Jessica Alba to get off my lawn at this moment. But I, I the way I see I, it, it seems yeah. like the dumbification and consumerification of software development and i i view that as a bad thing i feel like we should be elevating the people that create these things to a higher stature than bringing I you it, should bring me tributes and yes, sacrifices probably we probably should um and we should all as a society work together to publicly fund all software development you know who you really <laughs> want to blame though and i'm I just gonna ignore that, would get that you. last yeah <laughs> yes this is labor day we're together now um please russian people don't kill me uh I blame the guy who plays Mark Zuckerberg in that stupid Facebook movie. Oh, I don't yes. remember. The, Social network. There was a shift, right? Right right after that movie came out and became a hit, 
in wow man i've never thought of this you were totally right i do it does feel like that was literally had this conversation in one of those dumb coffee lunch meetings right trying to like see if someone could actually be a client or if they're crazy and 99 percent of the time they're crazy it's oh well you know it can't be that hard right i mean you guys just do this half drunk in a hoodie and i mean I don't wear hoodies. I just want to start right there. <laughs> I have nothing to say about the rest of it, but I do not wear Are hoodies. you wearing a polo right now? What are you wearing right now? I am wearing a polo and a <laughs> tasteful khaki shorts. Yep. Because my wife threw out my jeans that had holes in them. <laughs> yeah, sounds about right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that is a great observation because it, that does feel about like what happened, doesn't it? Jesse Eisenberg, thank you. Yeah, no. The, so the fact that developers tend to enjoy some of their work or most of their work doesn't mean it's not valuable. Um, And also because there are dumb college kids who will do things for free doesn't mean people who could actually do it correctly are going to do it for free. Just throwing it out there. In fact, my buddy recently made the mistake of uh, doing a WordPress site for a friend for free. He was just doing like one thing. He told me, I said, never do it for free. Never, ever do it for free. Well, I fall into that them, trap all the time. Even if you charge nothing, right? Charge 50 bucks. Because once you do it as a favor, you'll get scope creep. And sure enough, calls me up, or I saw him a couple days ago, and what happened? Oh, absolutely. Actually, this lady is making me crazy. I don't know what to do. She's a family friend. She won't stop calling, blah, 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 blah. And he's got hours upon hours of work, and he thinks it's going to end. It's not going to end. It's going to keep going. But if he had just charged her 50 bucks, he could say, oh, okay, you want more stuff? Yeah, well, that's a little bit more. And then say, okay, that's 500 Because then you just price her out. And that's it. So I, I, I witnessed this, and I think I like the way this guy did this. Uh, so do, do you remember like a while back, I attended a couple of local business groups to, to like do like business connections. And I just wanted to get a feel of like what they wanted software-wise. And one of the guys at one of the meetings that I met up north uh, was like – the local business website developer and maintainer guy. And you, mm-hmm. you know, if you got if you if you got a little storefront and you want people to look up your business hours or you got a restaurant and you want your menu online, um, you're a law firm and you want your your contact information and some of your references and things like that online. You talk to this guy and he throws together a website for you and he he generally does WordPress. And it's interesting to see how this guy works because um, he would be like, "Yeah, I can consult with you. Here's my price or just, you know, help you get this going." And and um, when people run into WordPress issues, he uh, I just recently kind of caught up with him and just see how he was doing. And what he does is he'll often maybe give them like one or two answers here and there over email, but he'll very quickly say, "By the way, I did a little check on your WordPress site. I found this and this problem, and I think you know you might want to consider this. This is a this is a package that I offer that's sort of WordPress maintenance. And so they start running into WordPress issues, and then he just starts selling them his WordPress package." And it's, I think it was like 125 bucks, and it gets you uh, like a year of WordPress updates and plugin updates and like checking security on the site and doing scans and backups. Which, you know, you think about it, that's all it really takes to keep a WordPress site really clicking. And then if you want additional stuff like, like custom themes and whatnot, he'll just hourly charge you. And he is living a, a, a he, that is his full time living. He just does this for I think it's couldn't be more than 30, 40 businesses in the uh, in the general Snohomish Skagit County area, and this is his full time gig. And the same thing Works. is I think he learned that you know you can't give away a lot of stuff for free. Well, and and those are exactly the type of people who would you know ask their cousin to do it for nothing, right? So, Mr. Dominic, we should probably wrap up, but we did have a little bit of feedback to get to before we go. Oh, 
you know, there is something going on. I don't know if it's your hurricane that is blowing the winds this way, but I am hearing airplanes around my neck of the woods like nothing. Uh, no, I sent a prank gift to Dick Cheney from your address. Oh, well, that uh, is probably going to end badly. We should probably get to this feedback then before I get bombed or droned. So, uh, or PM- Samsung. Oh. <laughs> PM Benjamin writes in. He says, with regards to the analogy that was made on the show about Docker breaking APIs. This was last week. Uh, sure. He says, uh, API being simil- APIs being similar to Angular v1 versus Angular v2, I respectfully disagree. Angular v1 was released in 2010. Since then, there has been a massive shift in the way front-end development is being done, namely the advent of web components that brought us features like the Shadow DOM. Angular v2 takes into technological advancements in recent years and builds on the success of Angular v1. There needs to be a breaking change in order for Angular to stay relevant and competitive against other front-end JavaScript libraries like React or Vue.js, and against other front-end JavaScript frameworks like Ember. So that well, was like, PMD. Anything that hurts React, I think, is great. Let's just set that as table stakes. Sure. Makes sense to me. Seems reasonable. So this is where my curmudgeon hat is going to come on again. Sure, Angular 1 showed up in 2010. I, I don't know that that's true, but I'll, I'll, I'll assume the guy's right. That's not that long. That's six years. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I feel like it, particularly on the front-end JavaScript side of life, things are moving at a pace that's really not sustainable. And maybe on the web browser side for Angular 1 and Angular 2, I, th- I think he has a strong point that, you know, six years is long enough. Certainly the Ionic side, Ionic 1 to Ionic 2, Ionic just wasn't around or mature enough for that long. I would also add that, like, I don't know about the audience, but I don't get a whole lot of greenfield projects, right? So having anything with breaking changes is pretty scary and basically not tenable. For instance, I still write a lot of jQuery by force. Hmm. You know, because someone hand, hands me a bag of jQuery. Yes, yes, yes. In, in a perfect world where I had control and I could say, oh, we're going to do this thing and we're going to do it from... from um, scratch mm-hmm. sure maybe I, maybe it would make sense to pick the newest hottest greatest thing sure yes yes um and and you know just responding to the chat yes if you sent me beer i would be happy but <laughs> i was i was extremely happy with ionic one actually but it is very hard to sell something called ionic one when they're promoting ionic two mm. and when the path to transition is basically not possible or let me take it back. Not easily done. How about that? Not, not reasonable. Not cheap. Not trivial. Which is what I would need it to be. Yeah. Yep. Yep. That, I think that's fair. So, I, so I would I would actually answer kind of this uh, critique. I, I think it is a fair critique. I think maybe my expectation of going into six years, especially for the web, is just not reasonable. But then, what's your cutoff? Right. Minus five years. I want things to be supported for five years. And the reason I want that is because in five years, the client will either leave because they're so big that they want to go enterprise and you know they feel like we're too small or they'll die because they're a startup or one of two or they'll take it in house right there's a lot of things that could happen but in five years at the end of the day it may not be my issue anymore anything you know certainly with some of these the javascript frameworks of the week and we're gonna one day cover this i know we said we would in, in details um, and hopefully i'd like to say next week but you know we're not with all the announcements one day one day chris one day 
you know, is there such a thing as too fast? That that would be my question to, to the uh, the audience. And if there is, where do you draw the line? Because I I don't feel like the writer necessarily disagrees completely. I think he's saying that six years is very long for the web. So let's say six years is very long. Then what is yeah. your what is your minimum support timeline? Like I I've stated that mine is five years. I know a lot of people are going to email and say that that's not reasonable. But what is reasonable then? Is it? It's certainly not one year, right? I mean, uh, maybe it is. Seriously. Maybe it is actually. That, I mean, if I'm a customer, I am not letting you tell me that you need to redo this every year. But it's not your fault. You're just okay, telling. Why am I, I'm, I'm dealing with jQuery from '08 still, right? Because that's what the customer's application was written in, and you know, that's they're not going to rewrite the whole thing. They don't want to. It would be great, be great sale to close, but. I, I guess, where did we go? F this is almost like the MacBook thing, right? Where did we go from this is a full system that you're building for somebody that needs to you know, have a five to 10 year life cycle. Then we went down to five years, I would say in the late 90s, or early 2000s. Mm -hmm. And now we're saying as an industry, but only on the front end website of things apparently, that, oh yeah, that's not cool anymore. It's been six months. Does it make sense? I mean, you can tell me, Chris. Am I too? Is this me putting on my, you know, overalls and sitting on the porch with a rifle, <laughs> yelling at Jessica Alba again? Yeah, I, again, I would never raise my <laughs> voice to Jessica Alba. That's oh, by the way, that is when I would be happy. You know, the person asking in the chat room. Mm, I'll tell you. I'll tell you one thing is reality. That this is what I do know, Mike. I do know that running a business on the internet is like. Nothing, nothing like running a business that has a storefront with a nine to five or whatever it is, hours. The internet never stops. It never stops evolving. The technology that delivers of it, that delivers all of it, but also the demands of the users of it never change. So I don't know. A year? Yeah. I can't think of what is, I can't think of a single major web, quote unquote, app or platform that I use that doesn't get updates that are just no, no, major. I'm not, I'm not saying updates right i'm saying obviously you have to no i know what you mean updates. i know what you mean like i'm saying changing that, the stack yes well right not the entire stack no okay i okay you're right about that but There's so much in the browser i mean you can't just, yeah, say, no, oh, you're just I, changing the front end. i feel like i feel like it's it the, the problem is this is the this is the tax of this industry right now because it is changing and evolving so rapidly there may be a point where this settles out but there is so much the problem is it there is so much still to improve that it it is going to be it's going to be like this for a while. Well, and there's also a strong conversation, uh, particularly on the Angular side, about you know Angular 2's apparent love affair with TypeScript is that actually a feature? Um, you know, trying to bring that classical inheritance into JavaScript um, and the ECMAScript 6 stuff on the same thing, right? Because ECMAScript 6 is going to have classes. Is this really the direction we ought to be going? Because you know, I remember two years ago. Uh, you know, all kind of the the web hipsters were saying you need to embrace JavaScript for JavaScript. It's prototypical inheritance. You stop trying to turn it into Java, right? And all of a sudden, hey, let's turn it into Java because we need TypeScript and we need classes and we need all this stuff. That I don't know. I, I I'm I'm one thing you could say is I'm very consistent in my my skepticalness about particularly TypeScript and Dart and any of those. You know, let's. I mean, I hate CoffeeScript. I've been pretty <laughs> vocal about that. But CoffeeScript is kind of gone, right? It's in Rails, but I, I really don't see it often. Uh, I don't think anybody's using Dart for anything serious. So TypeScript, thanks to Angular 2 and Ionic using it, is, is a, it would, if you don't know what TypeScript is, Microsoft's 
superset of JavaScript that adds a bunch of stuff, type checking, classical inheritance, blah, 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 which aren't bad, but you know, it does some really interesting things when you're not in a Microsoft platform to like translate into JavaScript and work that I'm not so sure are sound when really, you know, JavaScript's not that bad, right? If you if you don't do stupid things, you can do a lot with job pure, I mean pure vanilla JavaScript these days. And you can pull in libraries as you need them. But again, that is a super old man position of hmm. put your toys away. So uh, this is for another week. I right? think, the you're, whole type no, script, I think yeah. you're right. I think you're probably it's, yeah. we probably could. I but I, I, I don't disagree with you from the standpoint of wanting to be able to sell something that is not only A, sellable and like conceivable by the customer, but B supportable by you as a small business. So I appreciate the position that you uh, you speak from. Coderadio.reddit.com is where you go to submit stories or projects or show content ideas there. Mr. Dominic, there might be a website you want to send folks to throughout the week. Go to buccaneer.io. Oh, well, all right then. I think I will. Thank you. You can follow me on Twitter at Chris LAS. You can follow the network at Jupiter Signal. If you like to know when the Coder Radio program is live, we'll be back on Monday next week. Go to jupiterbroadcasting.com slash calendar. It gets it converted to your local time zone. Send us feedback, jupiterbroadcasting.com slash contact. And don't forget those RSS feeds where you can subscribe and just get this show every single week and beam us directly into your new wireless earbuds powered by some fancy schmancy Apple technology, I'm sure. Rest in peace, earphones. I miss you already. Mm -hmm. See you next week. <laughs>